This week on Gym Ops Radio, Dave and Brian go over six aspects of your gym and making them great. From gym layout and structure to communication and acquisition, it's time to lead the way within your market in the new post-COVID era. Welcome to episode 58. This is Gym Ops Radio. Hey guys, welcome back to Gym Ops Radio. We are on episode 58. My name is Brian Pritz. I'm here with Dave Thomas. We're the owners of Performance 360 in San Diego. Uh, today we're going to talk about good to great, how to level up post-pandemic. Um, so, you know, depending on where you are in the country right now, um, we're getting to that point where we're starting to move forward. Uh, here in California, we're still looking at two months away before our economy fully opens. Um, we're on the slow side. I, you know, I think a lot of the country is either open or starting to open up fully right now. So um, now is kind of that point where, uh, all right, we've been dealing with COVID for the last year. Um, you know, what what are we putting in place, and how are we taking? Uh, our current operations and taking them to that next level so that we can uh, build from the ground up uh, based on where you are right now uh, post-pandemic. Yeah, I think it's definitely an interesting time because, you know, more and more people are getting those vaccinations and, you know, it's kind of like there's been these two really extreme things going on. So it's like the first one is over the last year, everybody has been funneled away from gyms and places of fitness for home workouts or just staying away. That's kind of been a trend. And then on the other end of that extreme, everybody's been getting the vaccination lately. So it's like overnight, quite literally, you have the opportunity to kind of reverse that trend of people being fearful, staying away from gyms or um, not wanting to go into gyms. So it's like, it's kind of like these two competing things that are happening right now at the same time. And I think it's just yielding like a very interesting time to where I think there's a huge opportunity in, you know, this has been a theme of the podcast since we restarted it. There's a huge opportunity to continue to expose people to what you do, continue to tell your story in a positive manner as it pertains to the post COVID world. So it's like, You know, nothing about how we all did our gyms should be going back to the complete normal. By now, if you're listening to this, then you're probably still a gym or you're looking to become one. Um, And you you made it through by making some sort of changes to stay um, ahead of the game. So it's like, you know, this is kind of that time frame where everything is going to, um, you know, it's going to kind of yield a version of your gym that really has the potential to be primed to be a lot better than what you were before COVID because of all of the benefits that, um, you know, some of these operational changes might be able to produce for us. Yeah. I mean, if you're somebody that didn't take anything from COVID, um, I would be like extremely surprised, uh, at how you got through it because, uh, we learned so much about our COVID operations, but also what, we can do to make the gym better post COVID, um, that we learned through going through this whole experience that, um, I would hope that you guys took something away from that whole experience that will make your gym better moving forward. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the things we talk about each week, you know, very rarely are we breaking a new topic that hasn't been addressed in some form on a previous topic. There's just so much crossover. It's really hard to compartmentalize aspects of successful 
gems and talk about them exclusively without referencing other topics. And today is a very good one. And along those lines, you know, we've we've mentioned in some form or another, um, we've mentioned everything that we will re-mention here on the pod on the on this podcast episode. But it's much more through the lens of like, you know, how can you how can you take your operation that we're going to call good right now, and how can you take all those things and turn it into something that's great? So it's you know it's not a matter of like how can you survive this. It's not a matter of like, you know, how to improve your business. Like while that could be the same thing, this is much more about like taking those things that you're already doing a good job of and making them even better um, than you were before. And I think it's it's high time that gyms start looking at that and, and kind of ditch that mindset of like oh, this is still just COVID. We don't need to pay attention to the numbers, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we've mentioned before that we've kind of thrown away all of our old benchmarks and that remains that remains true. But we've now had, you know, I believe it's nine, nine months or so, maybe 10 of new benchmarks. And so those tell us enough for us to, to be effective at planning, to use that and to make some decisions and start treating this like this is, in fact, normal and the new benchmarks and, and moving exclusively forward rather than standing still. Yeah. I mean, I can say already, um, you know, looking at the numbers mid month, um, mid April, uh, you know, there's already some things that we can look at and have discussions on at the end of the month of, you know, comparing what's going on this month, uh, to our kind of new benchmark numbers. So, um, you know, there's already a lot of data coming in that, that tells us one thing that, um, you know, we're basically comparing to our old numbers or our, yeah. our new numbers. Yeah. And hopefully we'll be able to get into some of those topics, but I think the key is just that awareness of like, you know, there are opportunities to be paying much more attention to potentially we have paid attention to our business before, you know, mm-hmm. it's like everything just gets hyper-focused in this state it was hyper-focused to make it through it, and now that hyper-focus is kind of maintained through this next phase of, okay, we've survived it, but now how are we going to not just ensure that we continue that success during COVID, but how can we even improve upon it post-COVID and set ourselves up to be um, successful moving you know, well past it, and you know, not just with current locations, but with the, with the intention to grow um, and the intention to leave this pandemic kind of better than it found us. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we've got, uh, what is it, six six topics today that we'll go over, um, going from good to great, how to level up post-pandemic. Um, so why don't you kick it off with number one? Yeah, so it's own your layout. And this is one that is very top of mind for us because we're in the process of figuring this out now, you know. I think the, I think the biggest mistake that places can make is to constantly change the layout and constantly change how members experience your class. And so we, we're just trying to be very deliberate right now. We have our model, um, which we believe to be successful. It's the individual zone model. It is nothing different than a lot of you guys are doing out there. But we're looking at how can we really own that and not necessarily make it just the COVID measure. So we're very interested in it on a permanent basis for all the benefits that it provides. Uh, we've talked about layouts in previous episodes. You know, We like the better organization. We like the smaller classes. We like the better coach relationships without people kind of flying all over the gym. And so we are trying to be really, really deliberate and really thoughtful with what exactly we want in place before we really, really make that permanent because we don't want to pull stuff off the floor, put it back on the floor, 
pull borders up, reborder them. That's the last thing we can do. And in my opinion, that would be like our single biggest momentum killer. Yep. Um, you know, you mentioned a mistake is constantly changing the layout and all that stuff. And I would like to add on to that is not having a layout at all, just uh, having a little bit of a free for all going on. Um, and we were very guilty of this before the pandemic is we didn't have any structure to our classes in terms of the layout um, other than what was going on that specific day. And just, you know, because we were forced to zone out every single space in the gym, all of a sudden it provided all of this structure and made our coaches jobs a lot easier. Um, you know, getting to every person, building those relationships coaching people one-on-one, -on -one, all that stuff. So, um, you know, we're, we're ditching that just kind of like, you know, chaotic layout um, that we had before and, and moving towards something a little bit more permanent. Yeah, and I, I think it's safe to say, like, we have it probably maybe 80% down from where we want it to be. Um, and there's some things that we still need to make permanent in our gyms. Like, we have a lot of floating equipment that is currently not secured to the floor, Um you know, we long term we want that to, to be secured. But before we do that, we want to really make sure that like we're, we're quite frankly like getting every single inch of the gym exactly how we want it to be. So we're trying to be just very methodical with how many zones slash people we can fit into a class, but not just can fit, but what makes the most sense to have as far as a peak capacity goes. So we find that we're kind of settling that number anywhere from 15 to 20, depending on the size of our locations. We have locations at 2,400 square feet, about 4,000 and about 5,000. So each one of those yields a little bit of a different amount that we can hold in a class. But, you know, we're toying with, is everything going to go in the zone? Are we going to have everything in the zone? And then maybe there's like a cardio machine section, ergs and bikes. Um, so to provide a little bit of kind of movement, so you're not just, you know, um, uh, constrained to your zone the whole time. So these are little things that while they seem insignificant, could have a very big long-term impact. And so um, we are just really taking our time with our decision on that. Like like we said, we know we're sticking with the zone, uh, but we don't want to do something that we change our mind on because people hate when things change. Um, they hate when even the smallest things change in the gym experience, that the last thing we want to do is kind of jerk people around with the very foundation for how they experience a class. Yeah, it's funny. People will complain about a change even though it's a benefit to them just in the sense that it was a change from what they're used to exactly all change is bad in the eyes of customers and most eventually see that it isn't but it is always received as a negative and so we just want to make sure that we are deliberate with that and i can assure you that once we are we're going to own everything about that so we're going to try to be absolute best in our market at delivering whatever version of our zone looks like. We're going to communicate that heavily and we're really just going to go all in on that uh, and find every bit of success that we can for our business for that model. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, people really need now that we're, you know, I'll just call it post pandemic. Um, you know, people really need to own whatever that decision is and run with it because there's, you know, a little bit of a, I don't know, a race to to the finish line right now with gyms where like now everybody's starting to ramp up and like get ready for the next phase of what, what the gym looks like uh, post COVID. So if you can kind of make those decisions and be ready to go and, 
you know, just run with those, um, you'll be in a better place within the market. Yeah, well said. Um, so number two, uh, own your finances. So it's time to stop saying it's just COVID um, and write that off as, you know, nothing significant. Um, obviously, the, vari- the variance is a lot higher right now on your expenses. Um, and it's time to really, number one, track that. And number two, use that as your benchmark and not just say, this is COVID, uh, this expense will go away. Um, we found that um, our, you know, we did a little bit of the same thing where, you know, we had higher expenses, we we allocated it to COVID, um, but COVID as a whole is not going away anytime soon. Um, yes, people are getting the vaxes, they're coming out more, um, but they're not, uh, they're not, done talking about it and being concerned about it. Um, you know, even just today, I had a phone call with somebody that was uh, concerned about coming back into the gym after a hiatus and they have, you know, their vax um, already done and complete. So it's like that that notion that it's just done and over with is, is not a real thing. People will be talking about it for a long time. So um, regarding those expenses, um, own up to them, understand that they're going to be there for a while. Um, use those as your numbers when with your projections and make sure that you're um, allocating you know your funds to be able to support that yeah I think a really good example of that in kind of pra- practical terms is you know we've talked before about how our miscellaneous expenses have just kind of been all over the board mm-hmm. and the biggest thing that's influenced those are just uh, the amount of equipment and things that we need to service that maybe previously weren't because our model is different so um, cost to replace equipment for us has gone up significantly each month. And that's been, been one of the variables that's also coincided with first few months of the year plus year end where we know those kind of like taxes and all the insurance fees, everything like that are significantly higher when you re-up those. So, you know, we, 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 we really felt that our business was stable and the numbers told us that, but they were still, there was still so much variance in them. So it would have been really easy for us to just say like, you know, let's, let's address some of these concerns we have in like another six months once like things are quote normal. And one of the things we really wanted to do was hire people. So we wanted to really expand our internal staffing, give people promotions and really delegate a lot of important tasks that we've been handling. And so, you know, one of the things we had to do was kind of just like force, force our way into consistency with the expenses. So like what I mean by that is, you know, you see one month where our expenses miscellaneous might be $23,000 and the next month they might be 16 and then they might be 20 and they're kind of bouncing all over the place. And those are very significant because even off by a few thousand could really destroy our, our profitability. But, you know, I think maybe February hit and we were just like, we can't keep doing this. We can't keep putting this off. Like we know that expenses are going to be all over the board. We need to just straight up average these and we need to weigh that against like, okay, so we're seeing that for six months in a row, we're spending, you know, $600 replacing dumbbells or med balls or something like that. And so when we first started replacing stuff, it was like, this is going to end, but now it's just, it's not. So we're need, we're going to need to replace equipment. So you just factor all the stuff in and you make the decision. You know, we just said, uh, we know the revenue is there for us to hire. So we feel confident that we can get these expenses under control, that they're going to stabilize. Um, so we hired, you know, we, we, we brought on two new positions, uh, gave a bunch of promotions internally, 
Um, and that was an example of kind of just our collective decision to just to support your point, own the finances, rather than just kind of continuing to push it back based on like perhaps it's not as predictable month to month as it was pre-COVID, you know, accepting this type of variance as that new normal and and making decisions not necessarily like in spite of it and not factoring it in, but just changing the lens in which you view those expenses in which you view your finances as um, volatile month to month, but ultimately averaged out predictable over a macro view. Yeah. And I think one of the, you know, decisions that we made was hiring and, you know, establishing our staff to be a little bit more long-term ready is, um, you know, we looked at that as an investment to say, okay, we believe we've taken all this data throughout COVID. We feel like we are, um, you know, pretty structured and safe in, in getting through this. And now let's utilize this time to invest in the future of our gym post COVID. Um, and so, you know, while I wouldn't say that it was just like, oh, this is easy, we'll just hire people, pay them more, all that stuff. It was a very deliberate, um, you know, short-term, short-term hit for the the benefit of the long-term and coming out of COVID. Yeah, and I think sense. if you're looking, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't, if you're done. No, I was just mumbling something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if you're looking for a place to start with, ha- you know, to quote, own your finances, like, I would just to keep it simple. I would look at like the past two quarters, you know, average them out separately. And I think it's pretty safe to say that unless you had like a really, really, really big one-off expense in those months, that for at least the next year, those finances are probably going to repeat themselves. Like expenses that you might perceive to be done, they're probably going to pop up again. So we made this mistake when we invested, you know, tens of thousands into that initial equipment order. We thought like, okay, we're good. This is the last that we'll need equipment. But we didn't really consider the fact that with substantially more equipment meant substantially more replacements to scale. So we kind of overlooked that one. And we saw that in the next few months of like, okay, this stuff does require a little bit more ongoing maintenance and purchasing. So um, don't be so quick to think that expenses aren't going to stick with you just because they've been, quote, COVID expenses. It goes kind of hand in hand with that point of owning your format. If you're going to own that format, own your layout, then you need to own the expenses that come along with that and take those seriously as well. Exactly. And uh, speaking of ownership, uh, number three, own your retention. Um, So this is super important right now, especially as people start heading back to gyms and people um, start opening their doors again if they were closed. Um, You know, people are spending their hard-earned money and a lot of them have less money than they did before. Um, because of all of this. So, you know, people took pay cuts, they lost their jobs, they're on unemployment. Um, so why should somebody spend the money um, and take the risk in coming to your gym? Um, so what what is that value that you are providing? Um, you know, one of the big ones for us is coaching and relationships. So, um, you know, you can do a lot of the the stuff that we do inside the gym, like you can, you can do some of that stuff at home if you have a garage gym or, um, you can do that at a big box gym. So what is that reason, uh, that people are coming to your gym? Um, and for us, part of that is that coaching and relationships. Um, we really double down on this and it's one of the biggest things that we discuss with our staff is learning names, building relationships, coaching every single person on the floor and not, not missing any of those three. So. Yeah, and I, th- I think every single gym does that, right? 
you, you, you made a great point that has stuck with me is like, you said last episode of the one before that, like gyms aren't in the business of providing bad workouts. So it's like, I would say gyms also aren't in the business of purposefully neglecting relationships with their customers. Right. And so every gym does this. Every gym thinks they're doing this. You know, we've been guilty of this before. We're like, we've thought we've still been doing a great job. And like any business, you slip in peaks and valleys. But, you know, really, really auditing that experience and like going to the gym and really taking a step back and looking around like is your staff doing everything in their power and their in in what they can to nurture those relationships to drive those positive habits for folks you know if if your members have a positive experience every time they come to the gym that is not going to be a habit that's replaced people are not going to leave a positive experience for one that is an unknown variable like working out at home they're going to leave that experience if it's an inconsistent experience at the gym or if it's maybe positive one day, negative the next. If you're not delivering on those, you know, making people really satisfied that they came to the gym that day, I think that's when you really, really open yourself up to losing those customers for other gyms or for at-home stuff, you know. The reality is there's a ton of average gyms out there. And so, you know, I think that's part of the reason why We've seen such a high amount of people go to home-based gyms, but the gyms who are successful got even more successful because they figured out how to keep those people from doing that, and they absorb the people who don't want to do that. So it's not enough to just be like, yeah, focus on coaching and relationships, like really, really, really making that at the forefront of what you communicate to your staff, of what your staff ultimately realizes is the main priority at the end of the day above everything else, because that's what's going to drive those those repeat visits. Yeah. And one of the reasons that we did hire and promote uh, coaches was because we wanted to really address this moving forward. So um, some of the people that we hired and put into positions, their, their main responsibility is ensuring that customers get a good experience in the gym and ensure that the coaches themselves are kind of always thinking about that and always trained up on what our goal is with that. So Yeah, I mean, to, to put it in defined terms, we hired a director of coaching development. So... Notice that that does not say head coach. Uh, head coach would be even more all-encompassing. This is someone whose sole job it is to just develop the coaches because we knew that in this modern era, or at least we felt, that that was going to be such so much more of a premium than it was even before that if you're able to just continue those relationships, that those will be the people who kind of remain successful. And so position one of the position number two is director of new member experience. So somebody who is actually in charge of driving that communication, meeting with new members, setting that tone early so that as folks come in the door, they um, they can't possibly be neglected unless, unless they choose to be. So it's really kind of one position for current members, one position for new members, because we kind of wanted a no stone left unturned for how all of our members were experiencing the gym. Yeah, that's a. You mentioned purpose. No gym purposely neglects members, um, and I think that there's just like a massive difference between, um, you know, somebody that does an okay job. They might not neglect their members, but they may not be overly welcoming or overly um, attentive to them. Um, versus those gyms that are highly attentive and are just like knocking this out of the park. 
it's like those are the gyms that are super successful. It's not because their training is any better. Um, it's not because they do anything else. It's just they do a better job of always ensuring that they're building those relationships. Yeah, it's a good point. So. And it's you know, it's not to say that other things don't matter. Of course, program design matters. You want to be um, making sure that you're staying current, that you're staying modern, that you're staying understanding of what the market wants with program design, while also balancing what it is that makes you, you know, that makes your core values. But at at the heart of it is just that relationship dynamic. You know, group gyms have such a leg up. We're also lucky because the natural you know, the nature of our gyms being high energy, being group based, everybody gets more motivation and energy working out with other people. So that's just like kind of a gift that everybody gets. But also understanding that every single group gym has that benefit. So that doesn't make your gym, it doesn't make our gym special at all. It's how do you take that to the next step? How, you know, what is your staff doing? What are you doing as owners to make sure that that's personalized to make sure that people are having some sort of relationship-based experience that goes above just like getting the benefit of the group environment. Absolutely. And you mentioned program design in there. That's another big one um, with retention. And, you know, with your program design, if you're somebody that's done the exact same thing for years and years and you're not, you know, being progressive about it, you're not updating it, you're not modifying it based on what the current market needs, um, you know, you're really... Leave, selling yourself short for what you could possibly do with keeping your members. And honestly, like it might mean if you're changing programming to head in a certain direction, it might mean turning off a small group of your long-term members um, in order to have a better program as a whole. Um, you know, a lot of times those long-term members are the ones that are always chirping. They're always on you about, you know, the changes that you're making. So a lot of gym owners decide not to make changes because they don't want to uh, upset those those members. Um, but sometimes it makes that decision of, you know what, we have to go in this new direction and we'll lose a small group of people, but it's for the benefit of the whole gym. Yeah, that's well said. Um, so next up we have own your acquisition. So, you know, that's one that we've talked a lot about on this too is, you know, it's been kind of difficult to start to be able to like really kind of quantify everything and to make sure that you're really tracking exactly what's going on in the business. Because again, it's like, it's easy to say that like something is just COVID. So it's like, you don't have to pay close enough attention, but that is such an important part of whether or not you are set up to do well. And this is the amount of people who are actually interested in coming to the gym, trying the gym, joining the gym. So I don't want to really dive into anything that's like terribly over the top complex with this, except just leave people with a few points that if we're talking about owning your acquisition, then first and foremost, hopefully you have some system in place that at least is, um, you're able to, to quantify what exactly a lead is. So is that phone calls? Is that, um, you know, entries into a website form? Is that meetings you have with people? Is that free trial classes? Like whatever that version is for yourself, making sure that you have a system in place that tracks exactly how many of those you get each and every week so that you have something to go off of so that you can know how to improve it. You know, if you're not measuring all the things that actually matter, then you have no idea like if you're even doing a good job and how it can be improved. So I think that's one that a lot of gyms kind of... um miss the boat on a little bit is just taking 
taking the fact that you're going to have interest and you're going to have leads for granted and not quantifying them so that you can make them excellent. And so you can see what kind of adjustments and changes that you're making and like what kind of effect that has. So it's like, you know, you can, it's kind of like running experiments. It's like if you run an experiment, you get a new result, but you want to be able to compare that to a previous number or a previous result. So like if you're not tracking this data in a very specific format every single week, then when you make changes or, um, you know, you do something a little bit differently, you have no idea what it is that is causing any sort of change in those numbers. Yeah, exactly. It's like one of the things we've been able to kind of, you know, say with relative certainty is throughout the course of the last few months, like we are averaging 30 leads a week. That is kind of our target. So that's the first, you know, that is the first thing that we look at is those leads. We obviously are trying to improve our experience to the best we can to make sure those conversions go up. But the leads tell the story of just that interest, as we've said a few times before. So if we make significant changes, like for example, you know, this month we are testing, um, less of a first month discount. So we're testing going from uh, 50% off to $99 for that first. And so that is interesting because we don't, that, that's not marketed anywhere. You don't get exposed to that until you've entered the system because we don't want people shopping exclusively on that deal. So when we're looking at something like leads, like we're not necessarily going to see that impacted by that, but we could potentially see people taking action within the funnel of whether or not they're trying a class. Right. So it's like, if you're trying to go from this good to great stage, like this is the nitty gritty that you need to be looking at, not just like, what are my joins each month? Because if your joins start to go down, you probably could have caught that like three months prior with some of these other metrics already showing you that you were potentially headed in the wrong direction. Exactly. You know, we track, um, you know, we track initial leads, we track trial classes, we track joins and we track number of people that don't do anything once they've entered the funnel. Um, so each data point there tells a little bit of a different story about what's going on. Um, so you kind of mentioned, you know, we look for 30 leads a week um, and that first month discount is not mentioned anywhere until they get into that funnel. So, you know, if we see that those leads per week going down, then we can associate that not from the first month discount, but it's somewhere else in the in the system, if you will. Um, because they're not exposed to that until they're in the funnel. So um, little little data points like that can tell you a huge story about what's going on. Yeah, and that's an easy way to evaluate. Like if you're wondering, is this format, is this format and layout the, the best? Are people liking this? It's great. People are going to give you their opinion. Some like it, don't like it. But what do the referrals tell you? And so our gym, you know, we've talked about we don't spend any money on marketing. We are entirely organically grown. So people just seeing the gym, coming across the website, and referred to by members. So if we start to see the leads come down, so let's say that 30 goes to 20, and we're looking at it, and all of our website or drive-by leads are the same, but our referrals are down, like, okay, so now we know maybe there's something going on. And like if we had changed a layout, let's say, and those leads come down, then we know it could be tied to the layout. So you have areas that you can at least investigate and start to improve. But if you're never really diving in and truly understanding all of these metrics and the implications that each one of them can have, then it's like 
trying to solve something without having any idea. You know, it's like somebody coming into the doctors and saying, I feel sick. And the doctor just having to tell you exactly what's wrong based right. on that. There's just, there's no way to do that. You would be completely guessing. So you can be a good gym, not having, you know, you can be a good gym that just focuses on your joins and your cancels and that's it. Just that net number. Or you can be a great gym and really focus on all these subcategories that go into the retention that go into the acquisition so that you can head off problems before they start or even better improve things that you didn't think could be improved but you see um, these little gaps in the process that is, a, is maybe an easy fix that could land you another you know five people that don't cancel or five new joins in the month yeah 100 percent um that's it that type of stuff is super fun to me to like break down the data and like see what like cause and effect of certain things and uh, you made a really good point like just you know people that enter the the system um you know we can count them on one category but we can also create a subcategory of that and say where did this person originate from was it somebody who was referred was it somebody that drove by did they you know find us via google and we can then break that down further and say um we actually did not have a decline in leads from uh referrals it was just like drive-by was down and that tells us a different story than if referrals were down yeah so. let's say you have a month where like your joins are down and maybe you think there's a huge problem that like, Oh man, joins are down. That means people must not be referring their friends as much as they used to. And so maybe you make a, a really knee jerk reaction to that. You think something is wrong. So you like overhaul the layout or you completely bail on a layout that maybe is working. But if you have those numbers, like you just said, you see joint, you see joints and referrals are exactly where they should be. Then it's not that then maybe sure. Maybe you do need to spend a little bit on marketing or maybe you do need to refine the, drip communication in your uh, email funnel, you know, th things like that. But you, you have to know exactly the percentages of where people are coming from across all aspects of your business if you truly want to go to that good to great mode. Exactly. Um, and you mentioned it right there, communication. So that's our next point. That's point number five, um, own your communication. So, um, you know, this, th this is one of those hard ones because it's not one of those things you can really measure, um, but it is super important to be consistent and basically make it unmistakable everywhere what it is that you do and how you do it. Um, everywhere you're up from your website, social media, your emails, um, in the gym, literally everywhere. If you, you really need to hammer home uh, exactly who you are and what you do, um, and that's kind of how you create more of a following and you have people that believe in your brand, we did a full episode on, on branding. Um, it's how you get those people that are attracted and hang on to your brand for as long as you want them to. Yeah. I mean, I'm paraphrasing it a little, but it's kind of like the old saying, like tell somebody something once they completely forget, tell them something twice. They remember that you told them the first time. So it's sort of top of mind. Tell them three times. It starts to be understood four times. You get the point. You have to tell people sometimes up to five, six, seven times something before they actually like associate you with whatever you're trying to tell them. So it's just not enough to say like, hey, we're COVID conscious, you know, like what does that even mean? That's right. probably going to be the new like 
gluten-free in a couple of years, <laughs> like COVID conscious, all of a sudden meaning absolutely nothing. <laughs> so it's like, you know, what, what do you mean by that? Back that up with like, you know, we've talked before, we love just the bullet points on the website, but your social media, your email marketing, every single aspect that you have a chance to communicate with people always reinforce, like, again, start to that top point, like own your layout, own your format, and then communicate that at every single aspect that you can and the benefits that people are going to receive from that. So candidly, right now, we're just kind of still in the mode of communicating what our layout is. You know, we want people to just feel we feel we're past the point of the collective market feeling safe and secure. There's always going to be people that need convincing, but we feel we've, I feel we've done a, a, a good job of that. Mm-hmm. So the next phase of our communication is going to be, okay, now how is this going to benefit you? You know, this has all been all about safety, but now we really want to talk about like, this means that you're going to have such a better relationship and dynamic with your coach in class. So you're going to kind of fast track progress and results that maybe a gym who's disorganized could provide you. Um, you know, all the different ways where it's like, you know, smaller class size, all those things we've talked about. So it's just every single step of the way that communication is just um, made to the market in, in such a way that they cannot possibly A, mistake what it is that you do and B, think that it's not going to benefit them in an overwhelming way. Yeah, I love the way you said that. Um, so, and that's kind of what, you know, we talk about good to great. So, you know, a good practice is to just communicate it and maybe leave the benefits short of it, but at least in our endeavor to go from good to great, you know, we plan on then, like I said, all those things, uh, reinforcing the why of it. And as it pertains to the, the customer's benefit. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Um, okay. Last point, number six, own your consistency. So this kind of just ties it all together. Um, and, you know, we talked a little bit about it in that first point of constantly flip-flopping your layout and how it is you present the class to members, but you have to be consistent. So one of the things that I try to keep top of mind is like, first and foremost, the decision that we make with our class experience and our layout, it absolutely matters. We want to get that right. But more importantly than that is being consistent with whatever it is that we choose. Every gym is probably looking at three or four options for how they're going to run classes moving forward. I'm willing to bet all four of them will work, but I think what won't work is not being disciplined to stick with it if you see something that you maybe don't like one month or two in the numbers and, like I said, knee-jerking and pulling the rug out from undering it and like trying something else. If you're not consistent, it's going to look like you don't know what you're doing. That's when you open yourselves up to the wolves of just constant, constant feedback. You get thrown off course and you really have no chance to be a great gym if you're going to be inconsistent on any level. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like as a small business, as a smaller company, we have the ability to pivot very quickly, which is great in a lot of scenarios. COVID hits ability to pivot, ability to add zones, ability to, you know, enhance the cleaning. Boom. We're ready to go as soon as um, we're allowed to be open again excellent opportunity there however it also gives you the negative benefit of possibly being able to pull something that you've established way too quickly Um, and so I feel like there have been times where we've probably taken longer than I would have liked on a decision um, because we really wanted to get it right because we wanted to once we integrated that and established it we didn't want to have to go back on a a change that we just did. So, um, you know, I would really 
encourage people to think about um, what those you know big changes, big decisions are, and not just implement them right away because you think it might be a good idea. Test it, experiment with it, get feedback on it, implement it, and then you shouldn't have to ever go back on something. Yeah, it's like, you know, the the whole point about the squat racks for us and how we don't have them bolted into the ground. And that's very, like, significant for us. It's significant on the surface, but also just kind of metaphorically. Because, yeah. like, once those go into the ground, like, of course they can be cut and removed. But, like, when they go into the ground, they're going into the ground. And so that's why... Sounds like you're murdering somebody. <laughs> but it's like that's why you know we've probably talked about bolting them in like four or five different times over the last four months yeah and every time it's like okay let's just wait let's just wait and so what i don't want to come across off is contradictory saying like oh but you just talked about how like covid is the new normal so you know owning it and going all in on it and i would i would tell people that we've absolutely done that with the decision to stay with the individual zone model that decision has been made but we are keeping that last 10% until we are like completely confident and positive that it's going to be sustainable and desired moving forward. You know, right now that is the only option that people have. Right. What's going to happen when a gym down the road says, you know, fuck it, we're not going to any zone model. Like we are opening it up and people are going to move around all over the place. You know, are you going to see that and then get envy over it and want to do that? You know, are you going to see three members quit and say that it's because it's too restrictive, so you're going to bail on it? So these are all the things that really, really matter, and it's why, like, we are trying, you know, we are, we're taking our sweet-ass time. And this is one where we're just, we're not going to rush. We are going to be, um, you know, I suppose if you were going to be too early versus too late, I would err on the side of being, like, maybe a little bit too late on this one. Mm -hmm. And, um just with that theme of like we we've been given this gift of a clean slate and we want it to go you know you do have this opportunity to choose your own destiny so to say because you can be whatever gym you want to be coming out of this and so we want to really think through it and get that decision right because that consistency in the experience like we hold as kind of our holy grail and that's not to say we have been consistent like any business you know, we've had our inconsistencies. We experiment a lot at our gym. Um, we're we're kind of not afraid to do that, but it does come at the detriment of people getting frustrated with that. Um, but the format, the class layout, and our whole entire approach co- post-COVID, that is one that we don't want to mess around with, and we want to be only, only consistent. Yeah, I think people lose a little bit of confidence, too, if you're wishy-washy or, um, you know, making too many changes that don't seem well thought out and well planned. Um, you know, if you're changing this and then going back and then changing something else, it's like you really lose the confidence of your members and they're probably thinking like, what are these guys doing? Like they don't have their shit together. So, um, that's pretty much why the consistency, uh, is so important. Yeah. And it's, you know, we talked earlier before about how those positive habits, people don't leave positive habits and routine. And if you're able to create that routine and have folks settle into something post COVID, you're setting yourself up to, to have potential to be a great gym. But if you are 
you know, giving somebody two months of one experience and then all of a sudden you change it, that's that's more or less kind of like they're kind of at a new gym. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to have to get used to that aspect of the gym. And it's kind of like starting from ground zero of like, okay, now you got to remake those positive habits again. You do that enough times and then all of a sudden people might say like, wait a minute, like maybe I do want to just do this at-home workout. Maybe I do want to try this other gym that my friend's been telling me to go to. So don't give don't give folks those reasons to look elsewhere. The way that you do that is by being inconsistent. Be consistent. Keep those folks with a single vision of just coming to your gym and, and liking everything about it. Absolutely. Um, all right. So, yeah. So recap mode. Um, we went over six points. How to be go from good to great in all this. Number one, own your layout. Take your time. Pick something. Double down and go all in on it. Number two, own your finances. So it's not enough anymore to just look at the variance in your expenses and say, oh, it's just COVID. Figure out what your expenses are, make decisions that are in the best interest of your business. Number three, own your retention. So really, really examining, auditing everything it is about why should people come to your gym? First, answer that question and then go in and observe if it's happening. Number four, own your acquisition. So it's not enough now to just look at joins. If you want to be great, you need to know everything about them, the leads, where they came from, where they're falling through in the process, how the trial is going, how the conversion is going, every single aspect of it. Number five, own your communication. So once all this is in place, go out and tell your story everywhere. Do so repeatedly, do so loudly, and do so in a way that is unmistakable that people are going to benefit from coming to your gym. And then number six, own your consistency. So once everything is tied together, be consistent, Take your time picking the lane that you want to be in, and once you're in it, stay in it, and you will find that you will attract plenty of people to be successful and to also be great in the modern era of running a gym in the COVID pandemic. Beautiful. Um, That's it, guys. We will catch you next time.